0: Welcome to the Talk Jiu-Jitsu podcast, host Uki Mike, Joy Breski, and me, Jordan Pressinger from Jordan Teacher Jiu-Jitsu. Today, we're going to talk about stupid uh, jiu-jitsu etiquette rules that some gyms have, and it's going to be a great time. But quickly, we'll just introduce ourselves because this is a new podcast. Originally, we had the Jordan Talk Jiu-Jitsu podcast, but we want to start off, we'll start over with a new name, a new format, and everything. So we'll quickly introduce ourselves, and we'll get right into the podcast. So Joey, let's start with you. with Just a brief introduction.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm Joey. Uh, you can follow me on like Instagram at Joey pretty easy. Um I'm a black belt under Jordan. I'm pretty sure I'm his first black belt, so that's kind of a cool little like claim to fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been doing jujitsu for like 13, 12, 13 years, something like that. Uh, long enough that I've lost count. But, exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. so you're quite experienced. I have great jujitsu advice and uh yeah, great to have you as a host on the Talk Judo podcast and Mike let us know a little bit about yourself as well.
2: Uh my name is Okay Mike. I'm 47 years old, blue belt. I've been training just over 3 years under Jordan and uh yeah, I like to do the lockdown. That is my favorite yeah. move and yeah. Jordan hates that.
0: My least favorite. And if you guys want to learn more about us, uh, we, you know, we had the former podcast was Jordan Talks jiu-jitsu, and you can learn more about us there. And I'm Jordan. I uh, you know, I have my YouTube channel Jordan teaches jiu-jitsu, which is pretty popular and doing pretty well. So, we're going to go over a Reddit post today that talks all about the dumb jiu-jitsu etiquette rules that schools have and we're going to uh, yeah, kind of react to it and give our own opinion on it. So, this is from a user low calorie jujitsu. He says that calisthenics and exercises at the at the start of each class are, are dumb. He gets the rationale behind it for loosening up, but he'd rather drill instead. If it's for conditioning, then I don't know. People pay for jujitsu rather than them for that. I 100 percent know that coaches that do these warm-ups to burn time and I just hate that. So what do you guys think about doing, you know, jumping jacks and push-ups, all that kind of stuff? Do you think it's like coaches just do it to burn time or do you think it's a good thing or do you think it's, you know, just stupid?
1: I think like it depends on what the warm-up is and it depends how long it is. Like for me, if it's gonna be five minutes at the top of a class, like that's okay. Like I get that some people like people are busy. I mean, you know, you work all day, you go home, maybe have dinner with your family, you rush to the gym, you don't have time to do like a warm-up on your own. Five minutes is enough time to get loose, get warm before like actually getting into training especially if you're doing stuff that's like jiu-jitsu specifics so like if you're doing like like 10 jumping jacks to get loose and then like all right we're gonna do some shrimps some bridges like all the stuff that like purple belts and up try to skip if we can Like, let's be honest yeah. but like doing that stuff is like for a lot of people it's a good way to get warm and prevent injury but if your warm-ups like more than five minutes or you're like running laps and doing high knees like it's kind of a waste of time
0: man i've been to some gyms before where like the the warm-up is just a workout and you're working out for like half hour i remember went to one gym it was i think it was literally like 45 minutes of workout and then we did technique for 45 minutes and then they're like if anyone wants to roll feel free it's like I, i could have just rolled instead of working out you know i could work out on my own time so that's my kind of uh, opinion on that. Like, I, I think that people can just work out on their own time, like they're paying to learn jujitsu. So I agree with you. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to do as like a quick warm up. But at the same time, I, I think that just doing technique warms you up. I know like when I teach a technique, I'm like out of breath sometimes and start sweating like quite a bit and I'm just teaching it. So like getting those reps in, I feel like it warms you up pretty good.
1: Yeah, I I do agree with that. I mean, I wouldn't complain if it was five minutes. If I had my personal way, I would just go right to technique. I really disagree with this guy's post where he says, if you want to get loose, just start drilling. I don't know how gently people drill at his gym, but I know I've drilled with a lot of people that that is not a warm up.
0: Exactly. Because I know I run into the problem where I'll have taught technique, um, you know, I've taught the class and then now I'm pretty cold going into it because, you know, I only got warmed like during like the technique portion while I was teaching it. So I'm pretty cold going into the role itself and, you know, I wish I could have a little bit of a warm up. So what I usually do is I just pick someone that's, um, you know, not a super hard challenge and just kind of go like light with them and, you know, kind of warm up that way. But you know, if you're not like a black belt or super skilled, you know, it's hard to do that safely because maybe you get some like crazy white belt you're rolling with and you're trying to go light and warm up, but then they're just, you know, putting it, putting it on, I guess, like the world championships or something like that. And then you just get hurt. So yeah, I think there's pros and cons to that.
2: I get there five minutes early and just warm myself up anyways, almost every class. Yeah. Exactly. And other than that, I like the using technique as a warm up for sure.
0: Yeah. hundred okay. percent gyms that do like Yeah. Like I said, like half hour to 45 minutes, just like, come on guys, like we don't need to do this. Like I know how to do a front roll. I know how to do all this stuff. I don't think people forget how to shrimp, you know, it's like, once you know how to shrimp, I don't think you need to practice it so much. And um, yeah, I just, I don't, I think it's useless personally,
2: but Yeah. For a couple minutes, I don't think it's the end of the world. Yeah. I get why people do it. If you show up in class and they say, we're going to do, we're going to do a little bit of shrimping. We're going to do a little bit of dive rolls or whatever. I can see that if it's a couple minutes, just uh, loosen up some guy that came straight from work and doesn't have five minutes before class to warm up. I could, I could understand that.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's just like too much. It's just like, you know, like the poisons in the dose, right? It's like too much can be just, you know, it's a, a waste of time. So yeah, and yeah, low calorie jujitsu made this threat. He also was saying doing burpees because you're late. Uh, we're adults with really important shit to do. <laughs> I'm gonna go by. I'm gonna go by default. Assume you had importance something, and I'm not going to hound you for an excuse. You shouldn't be punished for dropping off your daughter home. I don't know if this guy's like English is his first language. <laughs> it's a little hard to like um, read what he's saying. But yeah, he's doing a good job. So. I agree, like, you know, if someone's late to class, I don't care, like, um, I only don't like when people, um, they come like just like a minute or two late only because they left the house too late. It's like, you know, when they consistently come late, it's just because like, you gotta manage your times a little bit better, but if it's like a legit reason, or even if it's not a super legit reason, but you know, it's not just that they're kind of lazy that way, it's totally fine with me, I'd rather someone be there than not, you know? So people will tell me, you know, they'll message me before class and they'll say, you know, I'm going to be late today. I got to do this and that. Is that okay? I'm like, of course I want you to come. You don't even have to ask, ask me first. It's totally cool. And yeah, but some gyms like, uh, you're late. It's like, you know, you can't do that. And you know, you got to do burpees now and you're kind of shunned. It's like, would you rather not be there at all? I don't, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't
1: like that at all. I hate this. Like it jujitsu is a gym. It's a service you pay for. It's not the military. Like it's not like you're one minute late. The whole class breaks down. People have lives. People have jobs. Like yeah i that drives me crazy i mean maybe if you show up late like don't make a scene coming into the gym and like clank things around and like jump on the mat and like yell hello to everyone while the instructors in the middle of teaching like if you're late just kind of like get in there as quietly as you can and not disrupt what's actually happening but show up late rather than not show up at all
2: or if you're lollygag and just you know dragging ass getting ready while everybody else is lined up that's when i've seen you joke around and be like okay we're just gonna wait for x y and z to finish you know taking off their shoes i've seen you joke around and we all get it you're not mad or pissed at them you're just getting them to hurry up a little bit it's all good it's all a good
0: laugh exactly because that does happen sometimes where people will come late or whatever and they're just kind of just taking their time. Like, yeah. let's let's go, guys. Let's, like, get on the mats. And sometimes, like, instructors make you, um, you know, you have to ask permission. If you're late, you got to ask permission to get on the mats. Like, it's like, are you serious? Yeah. You that blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. No. No, exactly. I'm not a huge fan of that at all. I'd rather someone be there than not at all. So he also says, students mopping the mats. Yes, it's nice when offered. But my response is, no way. That's what you pay me for. And if they insist, sweet. I'll, but I push back ASAP. But poofed on... Expecting that, so yeah, I agree. Like, you know, it's nice when people offer to help clean the mats, but you know, people they pay like like over hundred dollars a month to be there. So how can I get them to? You know, how would I feel right getting them to maintain the gym for me? It's a little different. Like the first gym I was at and Joey was at too. Like, it was only thirty five dollars a month because it was more of like a more of like a program as part of like the military, and uh, we're not in the military, but it was open to civilians and you know, I, I, get it. Like the guy is not getting paid that much to do it. And you know, it should be more of a communal thing. So that was like zero issue at all. But you know, like if you pay a good money to be there and then you also have to clean, I don't, I, I think it's nice when people offer, but it shouldn't be expected.
1: Also that mat space when we started was like what? 50 square feet. Yeah. So it took like two minutes to mop.
0: Exactly. It was an, it was an old, old squash court. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in a couple of different squash court gyms. <laughs> And they're uh, yeah they make for uh, a small training space that's for sure.
2: I usually end up um, mopping at the end of class. I don't mind at all, and, and and there's always people that offer to help me. I just say no, I got it. And plus, I also sort of work at the gym as well. Yeah, so.
0: exactly. Yeah. We pay Mike to yeah. uh, to clean and and just maintain the gym. So yeah, it wouldn't make sense for me to make someone else do it. It is nice to people offer to help you. And some people do, you know, I see like, uh, like Brad, you know, he always like, he always helps out and whatnot. People put the benches away too. It's really nice of them, but I've never expected of someone just like, it's nice to offer. And, uh, I'll say yes if they want to help, but yeah, I would never expect it.
2: Yeah. I always appreciate it when somebody helps, but I never expect anybody to help me. That's my job.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. Exactly. He also said, he also says, uh, don't ask higher belt to roll. I into the this is a call out thing especially after watching henzo the henzo documentary but now i realize not that's not it at all so yeah you know the whole rule of not being able to ask a higher belt to roll is so dumb you know it's like i think a lot jiu-jitsu suffers from like um like idol worship and like acting like uh, a lot of not i wouldn't say a lot of black belts but some black belts they really kind of try to create this like holier than thou experiences. So you can't ask them to roll they're too special you know yeah like the only time i'll say no to someone to uh, that's a lower belt to roll is if i'm competing or getting ready for something or i'm specifically wanting to train really hard that day and um you know i'll say no but i'll say it nicely but other than that you know i'll, I'll roll with anyone so yeah it's really stupid like if you can't ask a higher belt to roll like how are you ever going to get better because you need to roll higher belts you know so yeah what do you guys think about that
1: yeah, I think that's it's ridiculous like if that's a rule at a gym that you can't ask a higher belt to roll. Like what am I just supposed to just sit out because someone's sitting there not rolling and they don't want me to ask them? Like and if you're a higher belt like we're black belts like does it hurt my ego if a white belt asked me to roll? Like I don't understand why you wouldn't want that.
0: Exactly. I like when people ask me. I like when people want to roll with me, you know? Like yeah it, it makes zero sense at all like have you ever had it happen where someone actually says no to you like when you were a lower belt or have you had a mic uh because you are a lower belt where
2: well, somebody says no to me yeah never no, never yeah never i've never had that happen I've,
1: I've never had it happen
0: i think the reason is because we belong to a really modern school like um you know that has like modern etiquette and modern like i guess just practices where it's like a lot of the old school, it's almost like traditional martial arts and um, in that sense where they have all these weird rules that don't make any sense. I, kind of, I think that's where it kind of comes from. So
2: if you go, if you belong to one of those schools, it sucks to be you. I think <laughs> it st- probably started with an ego thing. Like how dare yeah. that lower person ask me to roll? I will ask you if I want to rule you. Well, a lot of these things on this list are very ego related, like
0: pretty much all of them. And we'll get through even more. And it's just like you know, people think that, Jisu like weeds out the ego but no it doesn't like yeah. there's uh, tons of people with ego and uh yeah jitsus just littered with it so it's it's pretty awful sometimes so this they're also saying uh, uh leg locks are dangerous and he's saying no nah, it's just most coaches refuse to accept the future i for one accept our leg locking overlords so i agree you know some people are really like anti-leg lock their gyms don't do any leg locks but our gym does do leg locks and have we ever had an injury due to a leg lock
2: I don't think so. Not uh, a serious one. Like yeah. you might pop a pop something and you're fine, but nothing torn or nothing that requires surgery or anything like that.
1: Yeah. I don't know if this is going to be news to like some gyms that are like, we can't do leg locks. They're too dangerous. All joint submissions are dangerous. Yeah, exactly. That's why they work.
0: Yeah. I've been saying that for a long time too. It's like you get your arm like uh hyper you know, and now your elbows all messed up or the shoulders are really bad ones too. Like Kimura is going tear apart your shoulder, a shoulder is pretty important, you know, like a knee is very important, obviously. So like, um, you know, you need it to walk, but everything you have is important. Even just like chokes, like, you know, if you just hold out on chokes constantly, it's not good for your brain either, (laughs) which I know some people that do that and it's not very smart, but you know, it comes down to jujitsu culture of your gym. It's like, are your training partners safe or are they just like reefing on things? And, um, if you belong to one of those gyms, it's not that, the leg locks are the problem it's they are the problem and at our gym we haven't seen any more injuries related to leg locks than we have for any other uh, submission it's got to be equal and we have a very low rate of injury like people rarely get hurt because we just train smart
1: yeah like if you're a good training partner it doesn't really matter what submissions you're doing you won't hurt your training partner because you're a good partner like people who say like one submission's too dangerous to train. I, I don't get it because the whole point of what we're doing is learning how to hurt people essentially yeah. just in a controlled environment where you trust your partners not to do that to you.
0: Exactly. And I'd even argue that it can be harder to hurt some of the leg lock just because it takes more time to set up. It's like someone's grabbing your leg for the most part. You should have time to react to it and tap where it's like some submissions, like maybe someone throws on like a really quick armbar or Kimura really fast. It can be, less time to really interpret what's happening where it can still happen with leg like walks. But I just think that like a lot of them, you can kind of feel the setup as, as it's
2: happening and, you know, have time to think about, yeah, I got to tap. When I first started Jitsu, I was terrified of leg locks and it was because of the uh, Brazilian Jitsu culture. I saw online a lot of, people were saying how dangerous it was. And I remember you taught one class where we did heel hooks and a guy grabbed my foot. And as soon as he touched my foot, I tapped and and I almost like kind of yelled a bit and he goes, what I go, I don't know. I was just frightened. So I, I bought into the hype that it would blow my knee out as soon as he touched it. But I love leg locks now. It's an integral part of my game. Yeah, me too. I was rolling with someone
0: last night. He's a blue belt. That was a former like football player, super jacked and just a beast. And, um, yeah. I was like trying to do a leg lock on him and he just like tapped before I even had any sort of uh bite on the, on, on the ankle at all. And I was like, okay, I'll obviously let go. But it's like, you know, he could have defended at least a little bit. He just like, he was just so scared of his legs getting, um you know, getting touched like that. and, you know, if you're if you're worried about a leg walk or scared of any submission, no problem. Like tap as as early as you need to. But that was definitely like super, super early. Like there was no threat at all. But I assume that his gym doesn't do any leg walks, so he doesn't have any experience with it, which can create problems in itself too, because if you go to visit another gym and you don't really know what's happening and that,
2: you know, with your legs and, you know, something can't happen. I think the culture at our gym is pretty good uh, for ego, ego wise. Like we, I know lots of guys that have had people in fully locked in inverted heel hooks and they, the, the person went to spin the wrong way and people just let go. Yeah. They don't need that tap. We don't say that. Oh shit, I missed a tap. We don't care. We just reset and we go again. I think a lot of it, like you said before, a lot of this is ego driven as well.
0: Exactly. And letting go and people try to spin out of leg locks. That's also in my BJJ performance and longevity course. So just putting a little plug in there and I'll put the link in the description if you want to purchase that. But yeah, I totally agree. It's like, you know, you need to have safe training partners. That's like what it really comes down to over anything else. Yeah, I agree. So he's also says, let's see uh, shaking all the, shaking all the black belts hands when entering the mat. Yes. Generally black belts, whether student or coach give back a lot, but this is better if voluntarily not made mandatory. So yeah, you know, I just think it takes a lot of time to go around shaking everyone's hand. Like I'm friendly with everyone and, you know, like say, hi to everyone, but to shake everyone's hand or if it's just the black belt, maybe it's not as much. I don't know. I,
2: I think maybe it's just a little more than what's needed. I mean, at the end of class, we all we all slap and bump fists with everybody and walk by in a row. That's exactly. It's
0: it's not like the dumbest, you know, etiquette rule. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, I just think it's like, it's just whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like if you have the time, like if you're there early enough and people are on the mat, like you can shake hands, say hi, do whatever you want. But like, I don't I've never seen a gym that makes it mandatory to shake every black belt's hand. Yeah. I've never seen that.
0: No, me neither. There's some weird schools out there. So he's also saying starting on your knees when sparring, not a real position. Don't start there. And yeah, I agree. It's like you don't want to actually start on your knees and just start like knee wrestling. That's a waste of time because like when when you get into that like position when you're actually grappling. Right. So but I do kind of inter- like I kind of use that term start on the knees to mean like um, one person starts in the guard. The other person starts at passing, which is like you know, the most common way people start in jujitsu, it's so, because you don't need to start every round standing. I actually don't recommend starting every round standing, even if you are like an MMA fighter or a competitor, I think you should start some rounds standing, but to do every single round standing, it's just like, I don't know. I just don't, I think that you, you you run the risk of hurting yourself much more because takedowns are the most dangerous part of jujitsu, I think. And, uh, in most cases, there's just not, not
2: not enough mass space, you know? Yeah, like you said, when people start uh, a roll, one person usually assumes that they're going—they're going to receive, and one's going to go forward. I stand on my feet and start to try to pass. I, we both don't stand up. I find uh, I'm nervous with that. I don't want to get injured in, with a takedown, but I'm also old and frail. So, yeah, you know, yeah. most people are not. So,
1: yeah, I, I start every round on my knees for the very start, and if my partner stays on their knees I just sit back to my butt and if they sit to their butt I stay on my knees one of us will play on top one's on bottom I give them the choice by just yeah. starting on my knee and seeing what they do and just yeah. reacting to it but yeah if you're like actually wrestling from your knees it's a waste of your time
0: 100% I, pr- I pretty much start all my roles as on the bottom it doesn't matter how Big or small they are. I just like, I just like starting from my guard and then working to get on top. But that's just me personally. And we talked about this in 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 the old podcast where it's like if you're like much bigger than your opponent or your partner. You should start on the bottom. So if you're like 250 pounds and you're rolling with like, you know, like a 130 pound uh, woman, right? How does it make sense for you to start on top? It makes zero sense. And Nikki, my wife, has had this problem so many times, it's like going against someone that's much bigger and heavier and, they're, and they they want to start on top. So she has to go to her guard. It's just like, guys, start start on the bottom against someone that's smaller. Yeah. So this one, um, he's saying mandatory school gee policy equals money grab. it is a money grab. And I say this, but I have a lot of, um, you know, friends that are gym owners that do implement this policy. So I wouldn't want to, you know, sound like I'm talking shit against them or, but just the reality is it's just 100% for money. They'll say it's for like, you know, to be like a team and, you know, to everyone wear the same stuff and whatever. But, uh, that's just what they're saying. You know, Uh, in my opinion, they just want the money.
1: I mean, I'm sure that is some of it. Like, look, we look like a team. Everyone's kind of dressed the same. Like when new people come in, it's really easy to figure out what size of or get them a gear. They don't have to go through the stress of like buying all that themselves. But if that's the only thing it is, are you selling them for the cost you paid for it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because if you're making a profit, then no, it's not the only reason you have the policy. Like, let's be honest. Like that's, that's built into the thing. Are you making a profit? Well, then part of the reason is to make a profit.
0: Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, Gracie Baja and not talking shit about them. There's some great Gracie Baja schools out there, but they do charge a lot of money for a gi and you have to wear the Gracie Baja gi. So like, I know they charge like $220 or something like that, like a huge amount. And like you said, if, uh, if, if they just wanted to, you know, it'd be a
2: a team thing. They charge a little bit less. I remember guys coming in from other clubs wearing their gyms, uh, insignia on their back and you you didn't care. Like oh, people yeah. from, uh, there's a gym close to us and people would come in with the patch on their back and you didn't care if they were wearing somebody else's.
0: No. And, and they asked me first, is it, is it cool? It's if I wear the, you know, the gi patch or whatever from the other gyms, like, yeah, hundred percent, it's not a big deal. I just want to roll. Like, you know, people overthink things too much, yeah. you know, and and it's not just them, but I mean, even the gym owners or everything within Jiu-Jitsu culture, I feel like it's like overthought. It's just like, let's just train, have a good time. And like none of that stuff really matters. Yeah. And like, I've thought about like it's crossed my mind before of like implementing that uh, mandatory school uh, key policy for only the fact for only the fact that I'll make more money, you know. So like that is a good thing for me, but it's not a good thing for my students. And it's just to me, it's just not worth it. I'd rather have like happy uh, students and kind of, you know stick to my own morals because me personally, I don't feel morally right about saying to someone, you have to wear this and you have to pay a lot of money for this. You can't wear that. Yeah. I don't like that.
1: Yeah. And for some schools that are part of like affiliations where it's like, that's an affiliation requirement. Like if you're going to sell mandatory geese to your students, you have to, at least like, I think like morally be willing to work with students. Like if someone says like, Hey, I really want to join the gym. I don't have $250 to drop down on this gi. Like you got to work with them. You got to find a way like, uh, you can pay it off in like installments over time. Or like we have like a gi that someone else bought that didn't fit them. Like you can have that for a discounted rate. Like not that I'm like condoning the mandatory gi, but if you're going to do that morally, at least work with people who can't afford it.
0: Yeah, I agree. And if you're going to have like visitors come drop in, maybe make a, you know, an exception for them because I know some places, if you drop in there, you have to buy one of their geese or their rash guards. Yeah. And, and a lot of them don't have loaner ones just to, to borrow. We had to buy it. So oh, I thought for sure you'd have the loaner one. No, one of my friends, he was going to train at, uh, Atos, but he didn't have the, the rash guard set to be able to attend class. So he had to buy it. And yeah, he did buy it though.
1: Wow. Yeah. If it's going to be mandatory, you should have to have a loaner set there for people who are dropping into, tr- like, how do you, what about people who just want to try out a class for a week and aren't sure they want to join? What do you do with them? Yeah, like, I know I, you have to have a loaner set. I don't know.
0: Exactly. I think it's just a way of like ensuring you make even more money and have like, I guess maybe some gyms don't want a lot of visitors either. So they don't really mind as much. Okay. This person doesn't want to come. They don't want to buy it, the They, the, the gear, whatever. It's not a big deal. they just want to stick to the kind of themselves. And some gyms are like that. I know, um, I know a couple of cases where I've had friends try to drop in at other schools and they were denied access to it. They said, you can't, we don't say, we don't take visitors.
2: Oh, well, like one of our um, students, not one of my students, one of your students, one of my peers uh, went down to Lachlan Giles gym and he wore all this limitless stuff. And yeah. He went to Nogi no classes and they didn't say a word to him. Yeah. Cause yeah. Lachlan's cool. He's a yeah. cool dude, you know?
1: I had that happen a few months ago. I was gonna I was in another town. I went to drop into an open mat and I called them in advance. I don't know why I called them. It just like popped in my head. It's like maybe I should call them and make sure. And I was like, You have an open mat on your website scheduled for like one o'clock. Is it cool if I drop in? They're like, No, it's only open to members. It's like, Well then wow. it doesn't sound like a very open mat. It sounds yeah. like a very closed mat. Like
0: Yeah, and why what's the reasoning for not allowing other people? It's like, Are you afraid that your students won't do well against others or like, what is
2: the rationale? I can't. That's the only thing that I can think of.
1: Well, it's clearly that I'm going to steal all their secret moves and yeah. bring it back because <laughs> there's a lot of secrets in jujitsu that people haven't figured out.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, there's so much information out there, like free information on YouTube, everything. Yeah. It's like no one has some like secret thing that they're like hiding that. Yeah, it's, it's really dumb that way. Yeah. So. This podcast is brought to you by the Black Friday Crusher course by Nicholas Stiglia on BJJ Fanatics. This course isn't only just useful for Black Friday, but all year round. If you're a gym owner, this is a sure way to make more money. This program will not only assist you in recruiting loads of new students, but also guide you in taking care of your student base, because without one, you can't have the other. Utilize specifically designed blueprints for each individual month. that will help you put together a game plan and implement multiple strategies at just the right time. If you're motivated and ready to succeed on a new level, take advantage of this one-of-a-kind course and absolutely crush your previous holiday season numbers. Check out the link in the description. If you want a rash guard like this or any rash guard, head over to xmarshall.com and use code Jordan10 for 10% off your order. And if you wanna learn about my seven most important mass safety rules, which will help both you and your training partner stay safe, to get my free mass safety guide for jiu-jitsu ebook link is in the description now let's get back to the conversation okay so he also says bell testing equals it's done for money grab or they already want to promote them but want them to feel like they earned it well this isn't what years of train. but isn't this what years of training is for so Yeah, you know, I agree, especially like when there's like bell testing, when it's like a seminar and you have to pay like one hundred dollars or one hundred fifty dollars for the seminar and grading. It's like that's just like another fee. It's just another way to make money for the gym. You know, like we we have done annual gradings before, but I prefer not to do annual gradings. We've done it before and never charged anything. And a lot of gyms around here, they will do like we have to donate to the food bank, which I, I like that. I think that's really cool, which probably we should have done that, really.
2: Well, there's probably people listening thinking, well, yeah, but you got, you're a successful uh, gym owner. But you've b- always been like this since you started. You, yeah. you never charged for, I've never paid for a belt.
0: Exactly. And one gym I was at, they would charge $35 for a stripe. Oh, geez. Yeah.
1: That tape's not worth $35.
0: Yeah. yeah. So like a lot of things I've experienced, I've wanted to do the exact opposite of and be like, not like them. So like, I remember that gym too open mat was like $15 for people to come and I'm like I've been going to open mats for free and then now I'm trying to get my friends to come out to my gym and do open mat but I have to charge them for it you know and it just doesn't make any sense to me and I've never charged for a drop-in fee and one of the main reasons is because when I used to go well yeah when I used to go to um, Bruckman's MMA uh, in Oshawa I'd drive an hour there to go train Justin would never charge me and he'd never charge anyone. And like, I just love that. And I wanna pay that forward. So we don't charge any drop-ins at the gym either. Someone wants to come train. I just wanna train with them. So people are always like shocked. And I love when people come from like Toronto and Kingston and wherever, like, we're getting a lot more visitors. And you know, I, I don't expect anything from them. I just wanna train. If they want to buy a T-shirt or something, that's cool. Like, you know, you get something out of it. And that's a great way to support the gym too. But yeah, I never charge drop-in.
1: The drop-in always gets me. It's like, is your business so strapped for money that you need $10 from a guy when he comes through town once every six months? Like, is that what keeps you afloat? Yeah. I don't understand the drop-in fee at all.
0: Well, the places with the drop-in fees are oftentimes the same ones that have the uniform policies and the, and the gradings that are char- charged for gradings. So it's like, man, they find every possible way to make money. They must either they're, do, they're doing really well, or they're like not doing great and need to charge every possible opportunity. But I know that it's not the latter. It's the former it's uh they're, they're doing well.
1: I remember paying for the, the $35 for a stripe and like, even then always thinking like, what, And they're like, it's the grading fee. It's like my fee to grade you. I'm like, what did you do though? Like, (laughs) you didn't do anything. He just said, it's time for a stripe. Like, I I never understood. Like, what was I actually paying for? Like, was it like, oh shit, I'm going to have a hard time affording groceries this week. Well, it looks like you're due for two stripes this week. (laughs)
0: Like, that's the problem too, when it's like you're in charge of like when people pay you for extra stuff, you know, that makes zero sense. I don't think a lot of gyms out there do stripe uh, grading fees. But yeah, the one we did did and it was just weird
2: and it it incentivizes them to promote people too fast probably too as well right to make more money
0: yeah i know some people just like avoid gradings altogether because they don't want to pay the money and, and and they just want to be like you know get so good that they're like forced to be graded so like to say they're like purple belt level now but they're actually like white belt because they never went to any gradings well i mean it just like, yeah, it just, it's, it's a funny thing like that.
1: I feel like that was me at blue belt. We used the gym I was at when I was a blue belt would do like one grading at the end of the year during Christmas time. But it, it just so happened that like I was a student when I was there. So every Christmas I would be done school on like the 18th of December and I would go home to visit family and stuff and their promotion would always be on like the 21st. So I missed so many of them eventually. like, we don't usually do this, but we're giving you your purple belt because you just won't ever be here for the grading. So like, yeah. You just got to get it. I didn't pay a fee or anything, but it was nice just being like, yeah, well, but how
0: does it, but how does that even make sense that they would do that? Because it is such a, like a college, a university town. So like, don't they realize that a lot of people are in the same boat and to say that we don't normally do this, like, why not, you know, make exception. I make exception all the time for all sorts of different reasons.
1: Yeah. And I've never understood the, like one promotion at the end of the year kind of thing, because it's like, well, what if someone's ready in April? Like they have to wait till, december now to get their belt like shouldn't you just give it to someone when they're ready and the people are ready at all different times of the year and the other thing i really don't care about like that kind of style is like i feel like it takes away from like the excitement of someone getting their belt like getting your belt on a night when it's like after class and like oh yeah by the way like this person's getting their blue belt tonight it's like oh my god there's no feeling like everyone's like oh my god congratulations where it's like all right guys show up for the grading here's 55 belts that are getting handed out today you almost kind of feel like did I really deserve this? Or was it like, I'm probably going to be a blue belt in three months, but he didn't want to wait another year. So just like throw it in with the rest of them kind of thing.
0: Yeah. You know, I think the worst is specifically for black belts because I know when I got my black belt, there was two or three other people that got their black belt too, which was fine. But you know, I would have felt a little more special if it was like only me, but I, the circumstance was kind of like, you know, it made sense to do it that way because I had to travel three hours to be at that, gym to make it happen. So I understand, but you know, if I would have really liked if, um, because it almost happened this way where they were going to come to us and do it. And, um, I would have preferred, yeah, to be in my own gym and have my students see it and everything, but, uh, didn't get the opportunity to do that. And, you know, I kind of, I wouldn't have minded a little speech too, you know, because it's, it's like a black belt. It's a big deal. And like, I wouldn't, have, yeah I wouldn't mind to saying a couple of words, but you know, there's so many other people promoted that day. And, uh, yeah to be honest it felt a little less special because of that
1: yeah i like and not saying like i understand why some gyms do it like logistically it makes sense like it's easier to just kind of do it all at once sometimes and i i don't know i i understand that some gyms like doing it that way but for me it's just always seemed way more special to like just just get your belt and it be about you yeah
0: i agree with that i think the only the only issue is when it comes down to stripes it's like the problem I'm actually having right now is like giving out stripes at the gym just because we have a lot of people at the gym. So it's like hard to like, it is hard to keep track about when it comes to like stripes When belt it's obvious. It's like the person's ready for a blue belt. Yeah. Let's give them a blue belt. But it's like, you know, when did I give them a third, like a second stripe? When was that again? Or when are they do, you know, do they deserve their, their third one? It's like really arbitrary and like um, hard to gauge because everyone has different um you know different like skill sets and and when they're ready and different kind of requirements for them specifically so it is a tough one
1: it's kind of like just a problem with the stripe system in general is it's so arbitrary like what is the difference between a one stripe blue belt and a two stripe blue belt like tangibly what is like i could probably tell you when i roll with someone in my opinion like what a one stripe and two stripe is by rolling with them being like yeah there's like that guy knows a little bit more maybe he's a little bit smoother but if you ask me to like explain it i'd be like "I i don't it's just like a Thing like it just I don't know,
0: yeah. And I've rolled with people that after a month of training are better than some people that are four stripe white belts. And it's just the way it is. Some people are just very natural at jujitsu, and it's like, you know, they might be beating up that four stripe white belt, and then it just doesn't really make sense. You know, I I I like the belt system because I think it's good, and you know, to like kind of track people and see where they're at. But stripes specifically. I think they over, they make things more complicated and more than they need to be, but I don't dislike stripes. It's just, they have their pros and cons.
2: So how would you grade somebody if they only did no gi? Yeah. Like like never showed up for gi, didn't own a gi, only did no gi.
0: Yeah. I don't think that's a big deal. Like I, I people kind of go overboard, like worrying about that. It's, but it's like, you know, if someone only trains nogi, but they're at the blue belt level, I'll give them a blue belt, but they don't have to wear it with a gi. I'll just give it to them. You know? Yeah. It, no, it's,
2: I've just never seen that. I just didn't know what you would do. It's happened once. Yeah, It's
0: happened once. So a guy named Brigham, he, uh, he only did no gi, and, uh, he was getting really freaking good. And it's like, um, you know, I can't make you do something you don't want to do. <laughs> like come, come to gi class. If you want to get graded and get good at a gi too. It's like, no, you're a blue belt and no gi. It's like, yeah, I don't think it's a big deal. And I've had some, someone asked me that the other day, too. It's like they only want to do no gi or they can only come like one gi class a, a week. So they wanted to know if their are no gi, uh, you know, if that contributes to their, you know, their gi grading. It's so, like, of course, you know, if you, it's it's all grappling. If you're like, if you're good at grap- grappling, you're good at grappling. It doesn't matter if you wear like, you know, pajamas or not when you roll. You know, It's just that <laughs> you're good or you're not.
1: Should all transfer too. Like in theory, like all the skills should yeah. be transferable. I know some gyms who just do Noki will give out instead of like a, an actual belt, they'll just give like a ranked rash guard or something. Yeah. Like yeah. The cheapest one probably you can find on Amazon that yeah. costs like 20 bucks.
0: Exactly. I think that is a good way of doing it too. But yeah, just giving some, tying a belt around someone in Ogi isn't the end of the world either, you know? Pe- yeah. People overthink so much of jujitsu. And uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. So, so he's saying it, what's indifferent to him is OS. When people say OS, he says, I don't ridicule people, anyone for enjoying the use of the term. I just never felt right saying it myself. So yeah, I've never been like an OS guy. But like if someone says it to me, I'll say it back because, yeah. you know, it's just like almost like a polite thing to do. You know, or they'll, they'll like write a comment on YouTube like Oh, and I was saying yeah, os, you know. But like I'm not gonna be saying os all the time. But I don't care if anyone does it, it's not a big deal.
2: I'm the exact same way. I don't care if anybody does it, but I don't say it myself. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't think I've ever said it. I have no idea what it's supposed to mean. People have explained it to me. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know what it means, I'm not gonna say it. I'll say like yeah. cool. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever it translates to, I'll say that. How about that?
0: Exactly. I, I think it has like a bunch of meanings. Kind of like kind of like affirming what the person's saying like like yeah i don't know but yeah it was no big deal he's also saying bowing on and off the mats okay i get the respect the mats thing but it's another holdout from traditional martial arts um to me traditional martial arts has connotations of scam foolery and that alone makes me not feel comfortable but zero issue whenever i see anyone else do it so i used to bow on and off the mats every single time without fail from white belt to blue belt because those were like the rules i just felt like you know, that's what I should do. Any gym I go to, whatever, should do that. But then, you know, once I had, like, uh, my own gym, it's like, you know, it just takes too long. It's like, you know, just, like, adds extra time and kind of extra movements. It's like, I just got to get on and off the mat. It's not a big deal.
1: Yeah. I don't know how I feel about the on and off the mat. But, like, we bow to, like, whoever's teaching class. Like, you bow yeah. into the class and, like, bow out. Like, if you have a real problem, like, if it's part of your school policy, how long does a bow take, realistically? Like, split second. Split second if that is such a like such an inconvenience in your day to take a split second to bow. I don't, your time must be like the most valuable time on the planet. And I hope you never do judo. Cause that's yeah. just nonstop bowing. Like you just, you have to bow all the time. Exactly. I like the bowing like before and
0: after class, but like, I don't give it a lot of significance either. It's not like, Oh, you know, respect me and show you're like bowing down to me or anything like that. It's just like, let's just bow to each other just because it's just kind of a cool way to start the class.
1: No. And like you, as the instructors too, like we bow back, like yeah. we're not asking you to bow to us. Like we're bowing to you. It's just like, I guess it is like a holdup from traditional martial arts culture. Wow. That was the worst said <laughs> well, thing. I thought you're having anyone, a stroke. anyone <laughs> has ever said. <laughs> I, Can I try that again? Ben, please cut out <laughs> my slurred speech. I thought you were having a
2: stroke my hands on working? camera. my stroke. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Holy. <laughs> <laughs> traditional martial arts culture. But, uh, I don't, Necessarily think that just because something's a holdout from traditional culture makes it bad. Like, yeah, other yeah. martial arts did it as a sign of respect. I mean, what's wrong with showing respect?
0: Yeah, it's like you know, shaking hands. Almost, it's like you know, it's the same kind of thing. Just showing respect takes a split second. It's a nice thing to do.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem with it. Like, I don't bow on and off the mat. But if I drop into a gym and they're like, "Hey, we bow on and off the mat," sure, yeah. I'll take the half second to just like a little bob and then yeah. back onto the mat. It, it didn't. Like, I don't have to like do a whole bow and like get down on my knees or anything. Like just a little bow. Like it yeah, is exactly. what it is.
0: People overthink things. And another one he has is uh master and professor. I don't like because their connotation in America, but in Brazil, master and professor, no problem in America. Coach or head coach seems plenty. So yeah, in Portuguese, uh, teacher is professor. So, you know, it makes sense if you're in Brazil or Portugal and you refer to the teacher as, as professor, that makes sense. But we've talked about it in the other in another podcast and we got we got a little bit of flack from people. Like we had some comments being like, oh, whatever, like, I don't know. Why don't, I can't remember what they said, but they were in support of like calling uh, their coaches professor. And I'm like, you know, not super passionate about this opinion. Like I don't really care that much. But to me, I don't think that you know, you need to call like an American or Canadian uh, professor if they're not like an actual professor at a university. I think that's kind of like uh, a little weird.
1: I, yeah, I, I don't like it. Like, like, you know, straight up, it makes me a little uncomfortable when people call me professor. Like, I don't say anything about it. I understand like, if you like doing that, like if you like calling black belts, professor, like I, again, like you, I don't have like super firm opinions on either way. It makes me a little like uncomfortable. Cause like, I'm not a professor in english but i understand that like the Brazilian translation is teacher i'd be like he says like you can use coach or head coach i'd be way more uncomfortable though if someone was like head coach joey yeah. i'd be like please don't ever say that to me yeah i was saying the same thing like that's weirder just you either just use my name or if you're going to use like something that at least professor is like not super uncomfortable
0: yeah head coach is weird the weirdest one is like master. I wouldn't, ne- I will never call someone master in my life. That's never going to happen.
2: I've had to do it. When I did Japanese jujitsu <laughs> in the nineties, she means master. And yeah. we used to have to call him master Daryl or she Daryl. Oh my God. Yeah.
0: See, I could say she I could say that just because it's not like English master. I wouldn't be like super feeling weird about that, but to, like to say in English master.
2: Yeah. we say it in
1: yeah,
0: English. That yeah. is super weird. Yeah,
1: it was. I think it's supposed to be like acknowledging that they're a master of the art, but it really comes across as me calling you like my master. And yeah. I'm not doing that.
0: Yeah. That is never going to happen. Like, <laughs> I can't believe people do that. And I've, I've heard people like refer to their instructor as master too, if they're like a red belt or whatever. And it's just like,
2: uh, that's weird. I've, I've heard uh, legitimate, like new age guys call their, their head coach master now. Wow. Like I I don't know, maybe edit this out, but uh, Gio Martinez cause, calls Eddie Bravo his master all the time. My master,
1: Eddie Bravo. It uh, just, it
2: sounds weird to me.
1: Because it is weird. Yeah. I would much prefer being called Mr. than Master. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, that <laughs> makes me really young comfortable.
2: I've always yeah. just called you Jordan. Cause that, yeah. that's what you said. Hey, I'm Jordan.
0: All right, cool. It's just easier that way too. I mean, if there's like other coaches and you're saying, Hey coach, coach, or Hey head coach, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, it's just confusing. You know, I go by Jordan and dad when it comes to my kids. So like, those are only like words I kind of respond to. And, uh, anything else just like i gotta think for a second like what do they mean
2: i'm gonna call him dad from now on at the gym
0: there's dad. definitely been times <laughs> at <the>
1: gym <laughs> like that but there's definitely been times at the gym that like when people are doing a technique someone will be like coach and i just like because like you said like i don't go by that like it just i i tune it out and then someone's like coach coach and then i'm like oh that's yeah. me <laughs> like i have to do something it's exactly. easier someone says joey i immediately like oh that is my name i will respond to this
0: yeah like what well, we've been going by for our whole lives you know yeah, yeah. so yeah, all these like extra things are, are just unneeded, I think. So this is from like the comment section. People, um, you know, giving their opinions on dumb jiu rules that are dumb uh, jiu-jitsu etiquette rules. So this is from Hubble Bubble. He says, no water until you're told you can drink. Well, I was once yelled at by a coral belt for going to take a drink out of my water bottle. Like, motherfucker, I paid like $150 <laughs> a month and $90 for a seminar. <laughs> only to be treated like a naughty child by a legend. Weird ass power play shit. So yeah, I agree. You know, the only time I don't like when people grab water and it's just when we were doing drilling and it's like, okay, it's time to drill now guys. And then like people are going off to grab water. It's like, I want you guys ready to drill right now. So like, grab water before we drill or grab water after we drill, drilling is not going to take forever, but it's like, but I wouldn't be mad at them to say no either. But it's like, I have that like, you know, I, I, it's time now to drill. So I think that's like, you know, it can be a little situational in that sense, but I hundred percent agree. It's like, I know, I know
2: time to want to have to ask someone to take a drink. That's like super dumb. And like that whole thing is just dumb. Yeah, I agree. I, I've had to go to the bathroom. What am I supposed to raise my hand and say, Hey, sir, can I go to the bathroom, please? No, I'm going to go take a leak. I believe you're supposed to say, Hey master. Oh, there you yeah, know, sure. Next time i know what to say.
0: Sometimes the kids ask me if they can go to the bathroom, but in which is like, you know, they're kind of used to that, but I would be, I prefer if they just said, I got to go to the bathroom, I'll be right back or something. So it's like, good. I acknowledge that they're going to be off the mats. I know where they are, but at the same time, I don't need them to ask me for permission.
1: I think that's a really good point. Like with the kids, when they leave the mat, like they should at least let you know, because like, you know, you're in charge of someone else's kids. Like it's really easy to lose track of one if they're just disappearing and you have no idea where they're going. But for adults, like, you're not going to get lost. Just go and like, just go. You're an adult. Like, are you nervous about missing a, Detail of a technique. Ask your partner when you get back. You need water. Grab it and watch and drink like a human. I don't know how you could distract a class by drinking water. Like just exactly do it like a normal human. Go drink some water. Come back to where you were. We're adults. Exactly, and I just want to also just
0: quickly kind of go over what i was saying before so when i'm talking about like you know not while drilling only like grab it before we start drilling whatever but it's like it kind of interrupts the flow of the drill if it's you're like taking a break to do whatever that's my only point but i 100 think that being totally can't drink water is stupid uh this person say mandatory patches on gis you can only wear my gym's official no nogi rashies i miss my old punk and metal shirts so we kind of went over that already but
1: what are your thoughts i actually have a slightly different take on this like outside of the mandatory gi which like I understand if a gym's going to do it, like they're going to do it, but I think the patch is a little more lenient. Like, especially for gyms who say like, we have a mandatory key, but if you want to wear a different key, you just have to put the patch on it to fit a part of the team. No one's getting rich off patches. Let's be honest. That's okay. I have no problem with that. The rash guards. I actually kind of do agree with. I never used to, I've changed my policy, especially for gyms that have like ranked rash guards. Uh, As a coach, it's really handy When you come into a gi class, I can see the students when we line them up before class, what belt levels I have, who I've got to work with. I know what I'm going to teach and kind of cater it to. Like if I show up for a class and there's 30 people and 28 of them are white belts, it's probably going to be a more basic class rather than like if I show up and it's like, you know, 18 brown belts, a bunch of purples and like two whites, we might do something really advanced and then I'll just come around and help the white belts out and maybe give them a like easier option. But with no gi, you show up and you go to teach and it's like you look and you're like, I don't know what's going on here. Like people are wearing like unicorn rash guards and stuff. It kind of looks ridiculous. One, if you have people coming off the street, like to watch a class or try it out and people are dressed in cheetah and like, you know, fishnet rash guards and whatever weird stuff these kids these days so i'm going on i'm going on like a angry old man yells at cloud rant here but it's nice when you walk in and you can see the rank of what you're dealing with as a coach and go like okay i know how to tailor this lesson to what i've got in front of me and it's also nice as someone coming into a role You kind of know what to expect when you start the role. Like, I don't know how many rounds I've started with someone who's wearing like a white rash guard and you're like, oh, it might be a white belt. And then they go like it's the world championship finals. And you're like, oh, this guy's actually a purple belt. I wasn't prepared for this. Like, I didn't want this as my warm-up role at the start of the night. It's nice when I can go in and see what I've got to deal with. I see who's in front of me. I can see their rank and I know what I'm about to get myself into.
0: Yeah, I agree when I go to visit another gym, it's like it's confusing knowing what belt level everyone is like and when I visit a gym, I want to roll with like the hardest people. Like I don't want to roll with the white belts. No offense to them, but like I want to roll with like the like the really hard people and you know, you just can't tell what people are. And I remember I was in uh I was in Thailand and this was so cringe. I can't believe this came out of my mouth, but um like I rolled with this guy and I asked him like, Oh, like what belt up level are you? Are you like a white belt or a blue belt? And I'm like, Oh shit. Why'd I say that? And he's, he's a purple belt. I'm like,
1: ah, oh, I wish I
0: didn't say that. you know, and I should not have started with white. I should have said like, I should have said like upper, I should have said like, like a purple belt or brown belt or something. Or if I'm going to say something like that. So kind of give him like, like a compliment or something, but yeah, i learned from then on. It's like, don't ever say something like that again, because you might completely screw up. Or if you do always go high, don't go
2: low. And yeah, I feel, I felt really bad. I like the crazy shit you can wear when it comes to rash guards and, and the no gi attire. I love that. You can wear a unicorn Joey, rash guard. You have, like
1: he has a
0: tuxedo
2: rash
1: guard.
0: Yeah.
2: Like, what I, are you talking about?
1: <laughs> I haven't worn that in like 10 years though. <laughs> <laughs> still i wear one one rash guard that i've worn in the last two years and it's just the like standard to tommy like black belt ranked rash guard it's the only one i've worn i actually have a brown belt one that you gave me that i wear when that one's dirty but i think i lost it i have no idea where it went
0: that's all right you should gotta bring the tuxedo one back
1: i don't know where it went i cleaned out all my stuff because i'm moving this weekend couldn't find it it's gone somewhere
0: maybe it's for the best yeah (laughs) kind of grown past that now
1: it was not a good rash guard no not well built either by the way If anyone's wondering like the little like, it just came apart really easily. Terrible rash guard.
0: Well, this is from the original Liam. So not like the non-original one, but the original one he's saying, yeah, Jim, I used to go to had a rule that you couldn't teach anything to another student without permission. The justification was that it might hurt the school's reputation, but uh, if someone sees, sorry, it might hurt the school's reputation. If someone sees you do a move wrong and you say you learned it from X, as if people aren't going to consistently fuck up moves, their coach taught them. So, yeah, I think that's one of the dumbest rules I've ever heard because like I kind of rely on, you know, and hope that the upper belts show the lower belt stuff because you can't cover absolutely everything in class. There's all these like missing holes people have that can be filled by upper
2: belts. No, I agree. Uh, the other day when Darren was teaching class, uh, me and uh, Justin were going around helping out the brand new white belts that were there. We were just helping them out, you know. Why not teach them if we know the move well, very well, but I could see where they could, if you don't know the move very well and you're trying to show somebody and then they get a poor technique.
1: Yeah. Like this is ridiculous to me. I mean, like the other day I taught a class, I think that teach, or maybe someone else taught, I don't know. I was watching a blue belt talks a white belt through how to do a move. And I just kind of sat next to them and watched it. And the blue, belt was like, do you want to show them? And I was like, no, no, go ahead. I'm just watching. It was perfect. Like I was like, I wouldn't have showed this any differently. So like, and not only is that good for the guy learning, it's good for the blue belt showing it. Like you're getting that experience of showing someone how to do a move, thinking through your thought processes, you go through making sure you've got all the details, right. As you know, as people progress through the belts, like those are the skills that you want to build to become a black belt one day to be able to teach. And like not being allowed to teach other people at the gym, a move is ridiculous to me.
0: Yeah. I think sometimes people kind of like baby or kind of think of like lowly upon like, you know, lower belts like white belts or blue belts as if they don't know anything, but it's like a lot of them do know a good amount of stuff that other people can benefit from. So I think it can happen where someone teaches something totally wrong, but it's probably less likely that's going to happen. Um, like in general, it's more likely they're going to be able to help, you know? Yeah.
1: It's, it's pretty rare. I think that someone yeah. shows something completely wrong. Like if you found a three stripe white belt and you asked them to show a triangle, I'm sure they could at least give the person the gist of a triangle, like the general ideas of like shin across the back of the neck, lock it in the knee, not on the foot, make sure it's in the back of the knee and locked on the shin and like maybe pull the head or something to finish. Is it going to be technically like every little detail? Perfect. Are they going to have answers to like, what if they do this? What if they do that? Probably not, but they can probably at least give you the basic ideas of how to do a triangle. Yeah.
0: Which is all that person really needs to, yeah. right? Like do they need to have a super advanced understanding of absolutely every possible detail. Not really, but if they just know a basic triangle, that's going to help them a lot more than knowing
2: no, nothing about triangles. But I've seen the exact opposite where there's a student going off on a tangent, teaching something after the, uh, pro, the after the professor has yeah. uh, taught the students the move and it's completely wrong and completely nothing like what the t- uh, coach says. Yeah.
0: I mean, I've,
1: I've seen that all the time.
0: Yeah, I've seen that, too, and it's, like, a really cringe thing. Yeah. But it's also kind of just fun to watch, too. It's like, oh, that's interesting. You
1: yeah. know? Do you ever have that when you teach the class? of Like, say you're doing, like, triangles from Clothes Guard, and you're watching all the groups rep, and then you look over, and one group's in, like, Spider Guard or something, and you're like, yeah. what the hell is going on over here? And you yeah. just kind of sit and watch. Like, I want to see how they got from what we did to what they're doing right now. Yeah, I want to see the thought process.
0: That definitely happens every once in a while, and I just like, go over to them and it's like, oh, it's, like, a cool variation you guys are doing. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't really bother me either. It's like, you know, people can have some freedom too, because I guess people want to be too strict at times too, where it's like, you know, it is good to ask questions like, what do you do if this happens or whatever? or mm-hmm. are just kind of exploring the technique a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think it can be a good thing. So this person's from Thirst McGurst. He says, I hate how you have to kiss everyone after class is over. <laughs> yeah. I
2: don't,
0: I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it happened once where I kissed someone by accident. We were rolling because our mouths kind of rubbed together. But, um, yeah, I never experienced that where you someone after class, other than my wife. So, you know, this is from Cororon. The whole loyalty shit is fucking dumb, he says. And, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, the first gym I was at was really big on loyalty. They're like, you got to be loyal, all, the, all, all this stuff. And I remember them talking major shit about Joey and like he was part of the team and i remember thinking like are we about like loyalty and like um you know all that kind of stuff and then they're talking shit about our one of our teammates so it's like a lot of these gyms are only loyal when it's convenient and then they're disloyal when it's inconvenient because after i left that gym they hated me like deleted me off facebook everything it's like wow so i only had value to you value to you as a person when i was like training at your gym and now i'm like nothing to you so like the whole loyalty thing i was like kind of like um you know, I was like sucked in a little bit to it. And then I kind of like started pulling away, realizing this is like stupid.
1: Yeah. Someone gave me an example once where they said, if you could take the policy away from jujitsu and apply it to another form of business, say it to yourself. And does not make sense? And I was like, I shop for groceries at Loblaws. And if you do that and then shop somewhere else like Walmart, you're never allowed back to Loblaws because you weren't loyal to us. Yeah, That makes no sense. Like, that, I'd be like, oh, this is the grocery store I'm never going to. This is ridiculous. Or, like, I shop at Loblaws. Someone who shops at Walmart is my enemy, and they're from a different team. They're a rival. It's like, well, who cares? Yeah,
0: exactly. You just
1: get your groceries, man.
0: I mean, if you do like if you go above and beyond for the student where you're doing so much extra for them that you want the extra back, then I can understand that feeling. But even then, I would never expect that from someone because for me personally, I never want to feel like someone owes me anything. So even if I do go above and beyond for that person and then they were to leave or whatever, I feel bad, but I wouldn't make them feel like shit or anything. It's like, OK, I just kind of, you know, it's whatever Like they they obviously went for a reason and they think it's best for them, maybe it is best for them. So yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, but a lot of these gyms, they won't give the extra, but then they want the extra back from them. So it's like the same thing you said about the grocery stores, like you go to Walmart, they just like, you know, you just buy the stuff and and that's it. But say you go to Walmart and then they're like doing all these extra things for you, making sure you have a great experience and, you know, just like really taking care of you and making sure you, yeah, you save money and this and that, like maybe you might feel a little more obligation to them. So I think it can be a little bit circumstantial, but even then it's not enough to make any like loyalty rules or anything.
1: No, I think that's true. Like when you go to a store, if you're looking for something and like there's an employee like, hey, how can I help you? Can I help you find what you want? And they're really helpful. I'm more likely to go back to that store, not out of some weird twisted sense of loyalty, but because you were helpful. You offered me a service that I liked. You were friendly. You made me feel good. I wasn't looking around for 40 minutes, like, oh, can I get some help? Like, same thing when you go to a gym, like, if it's a terrible experience, I don't want to go back there. I want to go somewhere where I feel like I'm getting value for my money and I'm being treated like the business cares about me. Like, yeah. ultimately, as a gym, if you're not letting students train somewhere else, you're worried about losing students, just offer a better product. Like, yeah. Offer better coaching, offer, you know, more attention to the students, offer, better for some people like not everyone but better prices better deals like if a student can't afford something will you work with them to help them afford it or will you just say like screw you man you can't afford like some gyms are like three hundred dollars a month like a lot of people can't afford that but if it's like hey man the price is three hundred dollars a month but we'll find ways to work around that if that's the problem that stops you from training like going out of your way for students will build that sense of loyalty not because they have to feel it but because they want to feel it they're proud to be a part of the team
0: Exactly. I think like loyalty in that sense, almost people view it. It's almost like it makes up it's you have to compensate for something. It's like your your product isn't good enough. So you want them to be loyal. And that's why they stick around. But it's like, no, you want them to stick around because you have a great product and they want to be there. So never like obligation to be loyal, but like a desire to be loyal. But again, like the loyalty has like a connotation where it's like making up for something in, in my eyes. So let's see what other people have to say.
2: So uh, I've never gone to any other gyms than than yours, so I don't really have the experience of you know.
0: Yeah, you should it, have been to uh, you know I mean? our first gym. You would have.
2: Wouldn't have liked it very much.
0: No, no, definitely not. So this one's from Mudasaba. Uh, he says bowing to photos <laughs> of dead, almost dead people before class is my great, is my greatest peeve. So I never experienced that having to like bow to like pictures of like you know uh helio gracie or whatever or anything like that but i know some people yeah they do how do you guys feel about that
1: i don't really care man like it what again half a second bow. you want me to bow to your weird picture i'll give it a little nod like it doesn't mean anything to me i'm not like bowing to this picture in reverence but i'm in someone else's place and i'll just go by your custom like you want me to bow to this picture i'll bow to this picture i don't doesn't really inconvenience me i'm more yeah. inconvenienced by that guy's ridiculous username man you gotta find something that's easier to pronounce
2: it's probably something that's carried on traditionally from traditional martial arts like japanese jiu-jitsu yeah like or most judo, or most judo like. gyms yeah.
1: have a picture of you know like their founder and you like you to this guy because yeah. he started the thing you're doing like i don't know it's a little bit of respect like just because he's not alive anymore doesn't mean you can't show a guy some respect yeah i
0: agree i agree and this person, this is tree for ninja. He says, not facing your instructor when tying your belt, fucking stupid charging for belts or promotions. I skip all promotion ceremonies. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that of like, cause there is like, I've been to gyms before where the rule is you can only tie your belt facing the wall. And Hey, you know, I used to do that out of respect. Um, well, I still would do that if that was the rule, it's no problem, but I would never like. um do that in my own gym or force people to do that it's like i'm just gonna tie my belt because it came off i'm not gonna like do anything special and i wouldn't care i wouldn't even cross my mind if someone tied their belt in front of me that's that's crazy
1: (laughs) yeah i don't care if people tie their belt facing me but like i don't usually face people when like if i'm you know if it's, you're about to start a roll and your belt's just a little untied i'll just quickly retie it but like if i'm actually taking it off to like retie it i'll always just face away not out of some weird like it's a rule but like i don't want everyone just like look at me flash my gut at you as i retie my belt like i'll just yeah i don't have to do i don't have to like flash everyone my stomach like
2: yeah you don't want to blind them
1: <laughs> yeah i'm really pale so like <laughs> the lights reflect a certain way
2: if my belt comes off mid roll i just grab it and toss it to the side and i do i do it up afterwards i i've never had caught shit from anybody for that so i imagine that's okay
0: yeah exactly what i do with all, i only do with my pants if like my my pants like the string comes on un, undone yeah same yeah right. i'll face away from someone i'll turn around but even then it's not like you can see anything yeah. but it's just like i don't know it just feels like a little bit of, of a private thing to do almost exactly. so I, I agree with that yeah but to me personally the tying the belt isn't as much of an issue